Listen to more episodes of this podcast earlier than everybody else and ad-free when you sign up for Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service that's audience-supported, featuring more than 130 top-tier educational creators focusing on making content for you and not for an algorithm. Sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of a whole new thing that's kind of an old thing, an old idea that I flirted with for a long time now, but uh, you can call this the official launch. This is me finally getting serious about it. It's a, a podcast I'm calling Conversations with Joe, and the idea is simple. It's me, Joe, having conversations with interesting people. That That's it. That's, that's the whole idea. It's really just, uh, honestly, it's just an excuse for me to talk to people that I think are inspiring or interesting or experts in the fields of topics that I cover on my channel, and maybe, just maybe, you guys will find it interesting as well. But being that this is the first episode, I'm still kind of figuring it all out, you know, you, you might find this one to be a little bit rough and a little unpolished, and that's okay. You have to be willing to be a little crap at first when you try something new, or else you'll never get around to it, which might be why it took me so long to do this in the first place. Uh, but I decided to just jump in and, and yeah, I just ask for your patience as we move forward and smooth things out. And obviously I'm open to advice and ideas that you might have along the way. So uh, also being that this is the first episode, um, I don't really have any theme music for this. We'll probably just throw some stock music in there starting out. But I know I've got a lot of talented followers out there, so I'm going to open this up to you guys. Anybody that's musically inclined, I invite you to throw something my way. So so 30 seconds to a minute, obviously, it's got to be copyright cleared and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'll switch them out on the, the podcast from here going forward. And and if one of them sticks, who knows, it might become the official song of the of the podcast. So yeah, you can hit me up on my website, AnswersWithJoe.com, uh, any of my socials at AnswersWithJoe. And yeah, I'm interested to see what shakes out. Have fun with it. But anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get to the main event. So for the first episode of this series, I wanted to start with something kind of easy, someone I knew I could have a good conversation with and somebody I was dying to talk to because I had a million questions about his recent book. Uh, the book, of course, is Project Hail Mary, and the person, of course, is Andy Weir. Andy's been a friend of the channel for a few years now. He and I talked a couple years back, so this is a good chance to catch up. Uh, I will say we get super spoilery once we start talking about Hail Mary, so if you've been meaning to read the book and you wanted to go in blind, you, you might want to peace out when we get to that point because it's, it's really probably better if you do go in blind. But if you have read it, he gives a fascinating look at the process that was behind the writing of the book and the insane attention to detail he paid to the science in the book, which, of course, we would expect nothing less from Andy Weir. Uh, but anyway, I think that gets you up to speed, so I'll stop talking now. Please enjoy this chat with Andy Weir. With me today is a friend of the channel, uh, somebody that needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's the author of uh, The Martian, Artemis, and Project Hail Mary that just came out this year. Friend of the channel, Mr. Andy Weir. hey I told you that'd be a lame intro. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, like, and you succeeded. Yeah. And you did. You, I mean, it wasn't that lame. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well. Uh, so I wanted to uh, start by talking about, so two years ago, it's been two years. Can you believe that since the last time we talked or since I came out to your house? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. You were, you were kind. You opened your house to me and, and you even played along with my little sketch and everything. Um, but yeah, I realized the other day that's been almost two years and I almost threw up. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like time and coronavirus are sort yeah. of a... Exactly. But, um, but here's the irony. So when I did that, that was supposed to be the first of like 
a series of conversational videos where I go out and meet with people and have one-on-one -on -one blah, 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 and everything. And then, um, you know, I, I just kind of fell behind a little bit and then coronavirus hit. And so face to face did not exist anymore. And so here we are two years later and, uh, I am kind of starting up a new podcast thing. I've been, uh, talked into it by some people that I work with and, uh, uh, the first person I wanted to talk to is you. So let's try this again, shall we? Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll stick with it this time. Questions with Joe. I'm thinking conversations with Joe. I mean, I mean okay, it lacks a certain too. symmetry, but okay. Yeah. But I like it being more conversational than just me throwing questions at people. Yeah, I, have a, I mean, you should have a, like a pranking channel where you just go like pull people's pants down and it's like pantsers with Joe. Pants with Joe. I mean, you know, just dancers with Joe. Like dancers with Joe. That's there's there's a lot of places you could go with that. Here's here's what we do. You could get the pips. <laughs> okay. Or uh, uh, there's there's dancing with the stars. Right. It could be Dancing with the Stars, but with a bunch of celebrities named Joe, Dancers with Joe. Dancers with Joe. So there's like you, uh, Joe Scott, and then there'd be like Joe Rogan. <laughs> Maybe you and Joe Rogan <laughs> dancing. Uh, what I guess there's Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden. Know. Yeah, there's another fairly famous Joe. Fairly famous. Fairly famous. Actually, I mean, you know, I really don't run into a lot of Joes in my real life. It seems like I mean, a common historically, name. there's a lot of Joe. I mean, there's there's like Joseph Stalin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that an episode of Friends where where Joey wanted to change his name, so he picked, he picked Joseph Stalin. <laughs> He's like, apparently there was already a Joseph Stalin. Apparently, either, and he was really bad. He like killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Uh, but then there's the movie Better Off Dead, where the, the main antagonist's name is Roy Stalin. Oh, was he? Really? Yeah. yeah. The John Cusack movie? Yeah. That, that's, well, that's the, an old the, favorite the movie. Bad, oh, yeah. I love that movie. The bad guy skier? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Stalin was his name. <laughs> Stalin. I never even caught that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the $2 kid. $2. I actually have a shirt that says... Um, I want my $2 or... No, so okay. Well, here's the story. So it's it says Lane Meyer ski champion. Oh, uh, skied the K12 on one ski or something like that. And I was just walking around at VidCon a few years ago, and this guy who worked at the hotel that I was walking through, he had his like hotel uniform, like the lobby boy uniform or whatever. And and I walked past him, and he was like, "Hey," and I thought because I was at VidCon, maybe he recognized me as a like, YouTuber oh, well, or something. Another you know? fan. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yes, I'll take a minute and talk to you. But he like starts unbuttoning his jacket and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> and and he had a shirt that said, I want my $2 on it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, no way. So we got a picture and everything. So love those little in jokes when somebody else gets it. It's like, I'm, we're going to be okay. You and me. Fansters with Joe. That's another one. There we go. <laughs> there, there will be 73 more during the course of this interview. Just so fair you know. enough. Okay. Big truck out my backyard uh, um FedEx? no 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 it's just a blank truck is probably gonna steal my stuff oh okay that's fine yeah, that'll be fun um okay so uh let's just jump into project hail mary shall we all right so how spoilery are you okay with being uh it's up to you it's your show so we can be as spoilery as you want uh as long as you know you give a warning okay well spoiler warning <laughs> you're gonna go so step one spoiler warning step two let's talk about rocky is that 
Exactly. Yes. Because, because, okay. So you've been through this before. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That's everybody's favorite character. I had no idea. So hopefully anybody who's still listening here uh, <laughs> understands that we have given you plenty of uh, spoiler warning yeah. and you have no right to be pissed off um, at this <laughs> point, but Rocky is an alien and he's a kind of a five legged spider like creature who stands about a meter tall. Um uh and uh yeah so yeah project hail mary is a first contact book and um i you know i wanted to make rocky likable i wanted him to be you know he's a character he's the deuteragonist you could say and no yeah it's for real i mean he's the second most important character maybe it's a buddy film really it's a buddy cop movie in space it really is it's a bromantic comedy (laughs) and and so I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I made him likable and uh, all that well. And then just the fan reaction to Rocky has been overwhelming. Like people are like, hey, I liked your book. Grace is cool. Also, I would die for Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> people absolutely love him. Well, and it's I'm like, I'm like it, it, it is a spoiler. It is a spoiler because um, I did not see that coming. Good. Like, like you do what I, and you tell me if this is a fair uh, term, but hard sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like very rooted in reality, very like based on the numbers and the science and everything. And and I'm reading this book and all of a sudden there's an alien. I was like, oh my God, he has an alien in this thing? And I was like, <laughs> wow. And I was like really excited. And and then it turns out like, here's my, okay. Let me, let me, um, let me flip out on you for just a second. In a good way, in a good way. Oh, okay. Um, I have gone over and over in my channel about how like one of my biggest beefs in sci-fi is when they land on a planet and it's basically like it has oxygen we can live here yeah it's it's comfortable gravity's good and nobody talks about air pressure air pressure is so important and like that's something that you actually you know used in in this book and i was like thank you because like it's it never gets addressed at like the the problems around it and how just different life would be under different air pressures and stuff. And, and you did that. And that made me so happy. Oh, thanks. Because that's actually one of my pet peeves as well. Mm. Um, It's always bothered me. I'm like, wow, what do you know? Another group of aliens that happen to be about two meters tall um, (laughs) that are (laughs) kind of bipedal, humanoid, or at least humanoid enough that a guy in a suit could play them. And okay. So I get that there's production limitations. Um, So I, I don't, I don't mind any of that stuff at all. I don't mind that, like, you know, my favorite sci-fi show is Doctor Who. And, Mm. you know, and I also really love Star Trek and Star Wars. And all of those feature just like every planet everywhere that has life everywhere has a completely compatible atmosphere. Everyone can just hang out together in the same environment. They're all, everybody's totally comfortable. Okay. Well, um, uh, that's always bugged me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I enjoy those shows. I'm like, okay, this is you know, it's soft sci-fi. It's like whatever. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, you know what? You also can't go faster than the speed of light. But all of those shows do that too. So yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, I wanted to do this in my own kind of hard sci-fi way. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have an alien, but I'm not gonna just make everything convenient. Okay, mm-hmm. so the odds that an alien would be comfortable in our environment are just ridiculous. Yeah. And then I started thinking like, well, uh, so I actually, I built Rocky's species from the ground up. I started by saying like, I'm going to pick a planet, a real okay. exoplanet. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. I'm yeah. So uh, Rocky is from the star system 40 Eridani, 
which is a real star system. And um, he is from the planet 40 Eridani AB, which is a really, that's because of the way they name things. But basically, it is the, the closest planet to the star 40 Eridani. And that is an actual exoplanet that we found. It is a real exoplanet. Cool. Okay. It really exists. And it, we know some things about it. We know its orbital characteristics. We know that um, we, we know how far it is from the star. We know, of course, all sorts of stuff about the star itself. We know how long, it, we, we know its period. And we also know its mass. It's about eight times Earth's mass. It's a super Earth, so to mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. And um, a, a planet that close to a star can't be a gas giant. Um, because if it was a gas giant, the star would just absorb it. Yeah. And so it has to be kind of a rocky world, no pun intended. <laughs> um, and so I said like, okay, um, so that's what's known. And so from that, I said like, yeah. I want, I want a, a biosphere on this planet. So what can I mess with that is not provably wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I get to decide what the atmosphere is like. I also get to decide what the rotation rate of the planet is like. I get to decide its density. I get to decide all these things that science doesn't know. So I said, mm -hmm. make it easy. Density is the same as Earth. It's got like a you know liquid metal mantle core thing, stuff going on like that. Second off, I decided I wanted it to have like a really thick atmosphere because I, I wanted a biosphere that's almost like an ocean. So mm -hmm. at the upper levels, you have like things that live off of light. And then below that, you have things that eat those things below that. And all the way down to the surface level, you have the apex predators. But for fun, I wanted to say like, there's no light on the surface. This is a species that never evolved vision. Yeah, okay. Um, but um, also it had to be a thick atmosphere because any planet that close to its star is going to be really hot. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted there to be liquid water. And the only way to have really, really hot liquid water is to have it under really high pressure mm. well, well with, the, with the, if it's a super earth with the the size of it and the mass and the gravitational characteristics kind of lend itself to a thicker atmosphere like that or well it's weird because for whatever reason that doesn't seem to matter very much huh, okay. so you take it take for instance something like you know earth we have one atmosphere of pressure Okay, Venus, which is almost the exact same mass as Earth, mm -hmm. has 90 times our atmospheric pressure. So yeah. whatever causes the formation of atmospheres, and I'm sure planetary scientists know a lot about this, but I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, but one thing I do know, is, so, so, so anyway, I wanted there to be liquid water, and I figured it was going to be really hot. So that means it has to have a really thick atmosphere, which led me to the next issue. I'm like, you don't get really thick atmospheres right next to a star. Because the star just basically sandblasts the planet, just blows the atmosphere off. The only reason we still, have, I mean, you look at Mars, that's what happened to Mars. Mm -hmm. The only reason we still have our atmosphere um, is because we have a magnetic field to like deflect most of the thing around. And I'm like, okay, well, what if ARID, which is E-R-I-D, which is what I named the planet. I said, what if that has a badass magnetic field, like way way stronger than earth's magnetic field so it can actually deflect the shock of being that close to the star and maintain its atmosphere okay great how does a planet get a big magnetic field turns out you get a big magnetic field by spinning really fast so now i know okay. that arid has a really fast rotation rate and so now i'm like okay so their day is like six hours long mm -hmm. and so i'm learning i'm like okay the, this is the environment and I, I decided it was going to be like sort of a failed gas giant. It, it's ammonia. The atmosphere is ammonia. And I'm like, okay, so we have a very high atmosphere, ammonia, yada, 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 did all that. And I'm like, okay, 
now I need to make a life form that lives in that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, let, let, let me back up a little bit. So, so at this point in the construction of the story, you've already decided there's going to be an alien. Yeah. That he comes into contact with. Yeah. And, and, and from there, you start kind of, like you said, sort of constructing it by creating its atmosphere and then creating the, the species itself. Right. I get I get like I guess where I want to find out, like how how much of a pause was there in the in the development of the story to just kind of like figure this out? Or was it just like an ongoing process? Oh, no, no, no. I said, like, I'm going to have me an alien. And so I'm going to spend the next few weeks. I'm not even. I don't even Plot think about the story. Plot can just go yeah. sit over there. I'm okay. not even. I've if I I had worked out most of the details of the alien before I wrote the first word of the story. I was like, okay, oh, okay. I want you know this first contact story. I'm going to do an alien my way, and like my way is to be as scientifically accurate as possible. Okay, so so almost like you're a chef, like combine like you're you're preparing all the ingredients first. You're you're chopping the broccoli, you're yeah. you know making the sauce or whatever, and like that. So you took a little bit of time to put all that stuff together, and then you. So the basic plot of the story is very direct. It's not actually that complicated. There are some mm -hmm. twists and turns and stuff, but the, the the plot is existential threat to Earth. Solution might be here. Send someone there. Meets an alien. They work together. Mm -hmm. Buddies ensue. Problem solved. <laughs> everyone wins. I mean, that's the whole plot. So having known that that's what was going to happen at the beginning, you know, just like I, I had the final scene in mind from before I started writing even, you know, so okay. now I'm like, okay, I got to get the details right. I got put a lot of time and effort into designing Rocky's species and also a lot of time and effort into designing the Hail Mary itself and, you know, fun stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was really important. Like I went way down the rabbit hole. There's a lot of stuff that never made it into the book um, with Rocky, <laughs> like the bio, how his biology works. Yeah. I, I have a big, long document on my desktop. Uh, well, in my, in my, uh, in my, Project Hail Mary folder of just Iridian biology and how like how everything works, uh -huh. like just all the details of how things work. Could you release that as like a supplemental book, almost like an encyclopedia or something? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know how many people would be that interested in it. It might be better as just like a web page that I put up and huh. people say, hey, you go knock yourself out. And um, I mean, it's interesting enough that I think people would be like, OK, I, I want to dive further into this, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like book worthy. Yeah, I mean, it would here an entire fictional biology book. There's no story. Well, There's I, no plot. Precedence <laughs> for that didn't didn't uh, Tolkien invent entire languages for Lord of the Rings and stuff? I mean, sure. Well, when you get to Lord of the Rings levels of popularity, you know, if I basically invent a new genre of storytelling like Tolkien did, then yeah, people might be interested in entire books about the minutia of it, but <laughs> you don't know where these things could go. It could happen. I don't know. Yep. So real, real quick, one of the standout scenes, I don't know why this stood out so much to me, but, um, and it's actually been a while. So I actually read the book on Kindle before it even the printed version came out. And, and that was actually one of the reasons why I hesitated to try to uh, get you on here to, to talk about it was because like, I did want to ask you specific questions and the book had like just come out. And I was like, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable being that spoilery <laughs> right off the bat like that. Um, but no, it's the, the scene where Rocky eats in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't want to. <laughs> I just thought like, was that sort of, I don't know, it, for lack of a better word, it kind of humanized him as a, as a character that, that like, you know, we, we don't think about how um, 
well for for the people listening if you if you not know what we're talking about he he uh he has only one hole <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't have a flow through he actually doesn't orifice. even really have that what happens is his he, he splits open mm. like his body is like completely hermetically sealed most of the time uh-huh. and there's this like thing that splits open and he like ejects the waste yeah yeah and then eats and then it closes and then heals closed, like skin, like yeah. healed. Obviously, so, this is pleasant for him. It's not like painful or anything like that. That's also how they lay eggs when the time comes. Okay. Well, but so the, the and I'm forgetting the main character's name. I'm sorry. Grace. Grace. Yeah, yeah. So so he um, uh, he wanted to see how Rocky ate. Because obviously he's curious and this is a different species and everything. And Rocky's just like, why would you want to see this? And then you realize it's because basically he's asking to see him poop. Yep. You know, and, and it's like, to, it's, it's analogous to him for, for like going to the bathroom. So Rocky's just like, why are you wanting to watch this pervert? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I also just wanted to be like, you know, it's, it's always been kind of odd to me that as humans, just in every human culture you want to go to, people consider you know, biological functions to be either gross or private, right? Taboo it's like, in some way, yeah. Yeah, well, not necessarily taboo because we all got to do it. But, you know, it's like, okay, if you got to pee, you do that by yourself. Mm. If you got to poop, you do that by yourself. Okay, if you're going to have sex, you you know, you and your partner do it. Let's, <laughs> let's just, you know, not, not in the public square, please. Yeah. You know, yeah. and stuff like that. So there's these basic biological functions. Even so much as just if you're going to spit, try to be, you know, don't you know don't be crude you know spit somewhere yeah and even things like burps and farts and stuff like that are considered at the very least funny you know (laughs) and and stuff like that but for whatever reason eating Mm. we're all cool with that just go ahead yeah you can eat right in front of me that's fine but that's like it's weird because it's a biological function and literally every single other biological function we have is something that's considered like either private or gross but not eating. You can just watch. It's, like it's some, a very social thing. It's a very social thing. Hey, let's all get together and eat. So like to Rocky, that's the equivalent of like, hey, let's all get together and, you know, take a dump. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it works for the Romans, right? That's yeah. what they I don't, do. I don't they, like taking a dump alone. Yeah. Who would want to take a dump alone? Come on. <laughs> Are you busy? I got to take a dump. I don't know. I don't it's really so have sad. to yet. He's taking a dump by himself. Oh man, that guy oh. over there. He's, he's so a, lonely. He's, he's at a toilet for one. <laughs> <laughs> But I, no, I, I love that though. I mean, that it's just that sort of one species looking at another and not understanding. And I, I thought that was just a, a great little moment. Yeah. Well, I wanted to. I, I didn't want to get too deep into Rocky's like social um, uh, or societal norms and stuff like that, because I mean, I didn't want to have to define an entire planet's mm. history and all, all all this stuff like that, and it would be a big distraction. So I just kind of hinted at it mm-hmm. i just wanted to give the reader a feeling that like there's a lot more like cultural stuff going on back here than you're seeing you're just seeing the very tippy tippy top of it mm-hmm. and um and so yeah, i wanted them to feel like oh it's all back there you just don't know what it is but yeah, I, I don't know what it is either but yeah well i'm sure in the world building there has to be a point where you're like okay i have to stop here yeah because i could well, just keep doing this forever you know yeah i mean that'd be fun but i didn't really bother to put together too much uh about rocky society but i did do the the sleeping thing where i because i decided 
you know, I started off with no assumptions. I didn't necessarily want to make a parallel for everything that humans do, but I figured like the way I designed, it's funny, the way I designed the Iridian body, um, the way their muscles work is actually kind of steam powered in a weird way. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hydraulics. Well, in of. a way, it basically, they have two circulatory systems, um, two completely um, un unconnected circulatory systems. One of them is hotter than the boiling point of water, and the other one is is actually kind of room temperature. It's below the boiling point of water. Mm -hmm. So when they want to um, extend a muscle, or when they want to clench a muscle, or actually, yeah, when they want to extend a muscle, they it, it has a bunch of little sacks of like li of liquid water in it, and they ex they open up the blood vessels to it that cause it to boil and expand into steam, and so the muscle expands. Uh -huh. And then when they want to close, they expose it to the, you know, they open up the blood vessels for the cold, for the ambient temperature uh -huh. uh, circulatory system, and it condenses back into water and pulls it back together. And so that's how their muscles work. And so I'm like, okay, so that's how their muscles work. That's cool. Their blood, it obviously can't be water, because if one of the circulatory systems is above the boiling point of water, it can't be water. Mm. So their blood is actually largely mercury. And so it's a, a metal mm -hmm. and it can conduct heat very well and stuff like that. So you've got your hot circulatory system and most of their body is inorganic. Most of their body is kind of like we have hair, fingernails, you know, teeth, stuff like that. That's inorganic. Their body is like the vast majority of it that and they have little worker cells that swim around in the bloodstream and go service the body. Well, all of those cells would die if they're inside the hot circulatory system because the water inside of them would boil and they'd die. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, then how does the body service, you know, things in the hot circulatory system? What if there's like, you know, a problem over here, it needs to repair or a tear or a rip or whatever, all, all the basic body maintenance. And I'm like, okay, they must go through a period where they cool down the hot circulatory system so the worker cells can get in. And I'm like, but when they do that, they'll be paralyzed because they can't make their muscles turn on and off anymore. And I'm like, okay, this sounds a lot like sleep, right? This sounds a lot like, okay, you're going to sit motionless for a while while your body does stuff. Don't worry about it. But they're actually like super dead ass asleep, paralyzed. Like it's, it's the, until their hot circulatory system like gets hot again, they literally cannot move. It's not like our mental block against moving when sleeping it's mm -hmm. like so then i thought like how does a society evolve because you have to have a society if you're going to be space worthy how does a society evolve with a limitation like that and i'm like well that answers itself the only way for that species to evolve and survive is for them to guard each other while they're sleeping right so mm -hmm. it's like oh if you're going to sleep i'm going to make sure no predators get you and then mm -hmm. when i sleep you make sure no predators get me and we'll have like a whole village of people and we'll sleep in shifts Mm -hmm. Right. And so that all of that thought went into just a few little lines where Rocky's <laughs> like, oh, you're going to sleep. I'll watch. He's like, well, I, I don't. I, yeah. Or actually, no, it was Rocky was like, I'm going to sleep. I want you to watch. And Grace, Grace thought like, that was really weird. And, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't want to do that. I got stuff to do. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I want you to watch me because they feel uncomfortable mm. if you're sleeping with no one watching you. That's uncomfortable to them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but it was a similar idea of like increasing pressure and releasing pressure in in cavities to make you know things move. Yeah, right, exactly. Creepy ass things. I know. Yeah, your tentacles. <laughs> exactly. They got a use, I guess. Um, 
I'm also curious about the astrophage. Okay, that was a lot of fun too. How much of that was like I just need to I just need to solve this problem, and how much of it was um, I guess integral to the to the story or or whatever. Like like how much time do you have to set aside to figure that one out? Um, short answer, a lot. Um, but basically, uh, it this all started with like I had a story called Jack that I'd been working on after the Martian and before Artemis and it fell apart. It was just not working, but it had in it, the idea of this, um, of a fuel that could um, just be turned into light energy. And, you know, so it was the most efficient. Um, so it was the most efficient possible form of spacecraft fuel. And I got to thinking like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we had that like here today, not some distant future, but like now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe there's a story there. How do we end up with something like that? And I'm like, well, we don't have anything like the science necessary to make that happen. And I can't plausibly come up with any, oh, and this, this Dr. You know, Brock, you know, danger, the third <laughs> comes up with this and he's just awesome. And no one else ever thought of this. And now he's made it. No. And I'm like, okay, so it's not that. Well, what if it's uh, alien? You know, mm-hmm. what if it's alien technology that we get a hold of? That would explain it. And then I'm like, well, do I want aliens in my story? I'm like, yeah, maybe if it's just lost alien technology. But then I'm like, okay, well, then how do they make more? And I'm like, well, maybe it, uh, maybe you can use it to make more of it. You know, maybe it's kind of like a crystal that you start seeding and it can nucleate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, well, wait a minute, a thing that makes more of itself, that sounds like life. And I'm like, okay, what if it's just life? I'm like, okay, so what would make life need to, you know, store that much energy? I mean, I want to use this for interstellar fuel. So what in the world would make life want that kind of energy storage? And I'm like, oh, because it's doing interstellar travel. That's what it's doing. It's storing the energy so it can go seed out to other stars. It's not intelligent. It's just mold. And it it's a very simple form of life it just absorbs energy uses it to um to spawn yeah in a way it made me think of the whole slime mold thing that like it can it can construct highway systems that are exactly (laughs) the same as we do you know without a brain at all yeah Um, i was just wondering how much of that was like um I don't know. I'm, I'm reading the book and I get into things like that. And I'm just like, how did he come up with that? That's just so bizarre. Like lots of fun. I, I love doing that stuff. Like I went just like Iridians. I went way deep into Astrophage. Uh, like I went all the way down to, I, I finally got to, okay, here is the hand wavy part that, that exists to make this work. And <laughs> I, I managed to drive that hand wavy part all the way down to the quantum level. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. basically the hand wavy part is that astrophage somehow has the ability to contain neutrinos. And it also has the ability to turn kinetic energy of protons into neutrino pairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't explain how it does that. I just say, or scientists are like, we don't know how the fuck it does that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, how do you feel about swearing? Sorry. Yeah, whatever. All right. <laughs> yeah. Or scientists are like, we don't know how it does that. And so um, that that's my little that's my little magic hand wavy part. But beyond that, everything works. It just um, yeah. So so, so you um, got you got to start with the magic. 
Yeah. The, the, and then the sci-fi and then, space magic. And, and then like just figure they work out outward from there. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is cool. So once I've decided, I decided they'd use neutrinos to store energy and stuff like that. Neutrinos are, um, um, I always pronounce it wrong. I say Majorina particles, but it might be like Maharina particles mm. or whatever. Um, but in other words, they are a part, this is in the real world. They are a particle who is their an own antiparticle. So oh, okay. if you can get two neutrons to collide, they will annihilate and turn into photons. Uh -huh. um, did I say neutrons? I meant neutrinos. 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 Yeah. neutrinos. <laughs> I don't want an angry bunch of, oh, yeah. no, 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 angry science lunch mom. No, <laughs> neutrinos. And actually, even that is just speculated. Yeah. Um, it is, it's probably true, but not proven. And neutrinos are notoriously difficult to interact with at all. You have 100 trillion neutrinos passing through you every second, Joe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've you only got like... Something. I, I've only got like six neutrinos passing through me a second. You should see a doctor. But... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's the neutrinos will just sail right through Earth without colliding with a single thing because their their quantum properties are basically their odds of colliding are so small. Astrophage has this super cross sectionality, which means uh, the neutrinos can't get out of the cell wall. Okay, and then and then I was like, okay, that's interesting, and it makes neutrinos. I decided by having like ionized hydrogen gas, in other words, protons. Um, bang into each other. And that kinetic energy is turned into two neutrinos going opposite directions. So that makes the energy and the momentum balance. So everything physics-wise is fine. This is not a thing that probably happens, but you can't, you can't prove it doesn't. Uh -huh. And there is such a thing as pair production where like, which is really weird, um, brief aside, you've got, let's say a big thick ass nucleus, like a uranium atom mining its own business. Mm -hmm. And then a gamma ray goes by. Uh, just this gamma ray goes by and the, the interaction between the gamma ray and the nucleus of the atom can cause pair production where the gamma rays energy becomes an electron and a positron going opposite directions. And then that can't happen by itself. A photon can't just turn into um, a gamma ray can't just turn into two, uh, into a positron electron because there's no way to balance the momentum and energy of that equation. There's no way to okay. make the total momentum and kinetic energy the same. But if you have a comparatively heavy nucleus, then it ends up picking up a little bit of velocity in a certain direction and that makes everything possible. And so it happens and that's real. So I've kind of taken that to the next step and I've said like, okay, anything that is balanced, uh, in both momentum and energy is something that could happen. And so I decided two protons whack into each other with a, a, a certain minimum amount of energy. They could, I've decided, be able to make two neutrons going opposite directions, all that works. And so that's cool. And I, then I got to thinking, well, wait a minute. Now I know like if they hit each other without enough energy with less than the mass energy of two neutrinos, then they just bounce, right? Now, I mean, they can't, they can't turn that energy in. And if they do it with more, then they'll make the two neutrinos and they'll still have some kinetic energy left over. So they'll bash into each other, make neutrinos, and then continue moving a little bit slower. And so I'm like, so what is that exact velocity? Okay, so I, easy to calculate that exact velocity. And I'm like, well, if you have a gas, if you, if you have a bunch of particles moving a known velocity, then that means you know the temperature of that uh, that object because that's that's what temperature is. 
It's the velocity of the molecules moving around or the mean velocity. And so I did that and it turns out astrophages are always 94.573 degrees Celsius. I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, it's <laughs> like I, I just did a bunch of bullshit and came out with a number. Uh -huh. And I, I just love yeah. it when that happens because now I'm like, that's the critical temperature of astrophage. If it's receiving more heat, if it's in an environment hotter than that, it's building neutrinos. If it's in an environment colder than that, it's not. <laughs> and it just happens to be close to our own body temperature. No, 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 not at all. 97 Celsius. Celsius. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. It happens to be close to the boiling point of water. Um, my, my American just showed through. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, you're, you're an American. So, uh. Would you like me to convert it to furlongs per fortnight for, you know, more convenient numbers? <laughs> Let's just stick with Kelvin. I think. We'll okay. Okay. The same page. Right. Um, narratively, it's like, uh, it's told through a series of flashbacks from a guy who's like lost his memory and he's like slowly retrieving it and stuff. Um, and as a reader, it was kind of like being on a bit of a roller coaster in terms of the astrophage. Cause it's like, it, it starts with like the discovery of this thing that's destroying the sun. It's like a bacteria that's eating the sun or something. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. And then we learn how to capture the Mac, the, the astrophage. And then we figure out how to power spaceships with it. And Oh, that's what's powering the spaceship that I'm on. And, and it was kind of like, as, as you're reading it, it's like, it just kind of builds and builds and builds. But then I'm looking back. It's like, was that a magic trick? Because like, did you, did you start with like, this is the thing that powers the ship. And now let's go back and figure out like how it all kind of got discovered and everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of, in terms of coming up with the story, but by the time I was writing it, I had already determined the sequence of events that led to the Hail Mary. I didn't make it up as I was writing it. Of course. Like, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So the flashback mechanism, you know, Hey, look, this guy lost his memory. Okay. So that's trope number seven <laughs> in the global trope database sure. when organized by, you know, in date of invention or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I did it that way because the stuff that happens before the launch of the Hail Mary is very sparse. It like happens. It's like, here's something interesting. And then months later, here's the next interesting thing. And then many months later, here's the next interesting. I mean, that takes place over like five years. Yeah. If I told the story linearly, There'd be a bunch of, it would be skimming through time mm -hmm. for the first third of the book. And then all of a sudden, from that point on, you would never see any of the characters other than Grace again. Right. And only then would you be introduced to Rocky. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I just went with a flashback mechanism for just sheer naked exposition purposes. But it works. I mean, that's, that's the idea. Like, um, I, I like that it, it does kind of feel like a magic trick. Oh, well, thank um, you. <laughs> well, well, the, in, in the, 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 the trick like... of it is that um, the, the thing that made me feel real good, the shower epiphany that kind of made this book happen was when I was like, okay, the problem leads to the solution. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like astrophage is a problem, but it's also the solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. And I started to wonder like, what would the world be like if we did have that technology? Like oh, well, I'm thinking technology. sequels already. I mean, oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> well, I'm not gonna talk about it here, <laughs> but well, okay, so on that note, uh, Xenonite, Xenonite, I would love to have some of that too. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so that was a narrative requirement for me because I, I decided, all right, Rocky lives in an environment of 29 atmospheres of 210 degrees Celsius pure ammonia, right? Okay, 
but I want him to interact with grace, you know, and I wanted to do it kind of seamlessly. Um, but they're going to have to have something between them. Mm-hmm. So uh, all, all of the real world technology that we have, you need like, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. You want to hold 29 atmospheres. Yeah. Um, so that'll be like maybe, you know, 60 centimeters of steel yeah. uh, between the <laughs> two of you. And you'll be talking only via like cameras or something mm-hmm. like that. And that was unsatisfying. So I just said like, eh, they're aliens. They have this awesome technology. And that was another fun thing. I decided, like, I, I, I'm sick of the aliens always being the advanced ones. And this one, our protagonist, somewhat to his dismay, finds out we're the advanced aliens. Like, the Iridians... They didn't have radar or something like that? They no, uh, Well, they had radar. They had all that. But they didn't know about relativity. Oh, right. Among yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. And they had never invented computers. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, they had a crew of 26 on their ship because it was like a sailing ship, kind of almost. And they had space travel. They just, they invented different things at different rates. Yeah. And, and so um, one of the things I decided is like, they're way behind us on things like computer technology, but they're way ahead of us on things like materials technology. Yeah. I thought, I, I, I did like that. I like that a lot. Because um, it did kind of throw a little bit of a, a twist in there from what you're, you normally expect. I tried to do a little bit of explanation on that. I figure just random events in um, random events in your society are kind of what cause one one technology to advance more than another. Mm-hmm. I mean, wars cause us to like look into one technology really aggressively or something like that, right? So I. You, you can't just have a blanket statement to like, oh, at this point in its development, a civilization will have this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like what was important at that moment in that area at that time to those people and so on. So, but I did try to explain why they never invented computers. And one thing is just, I, I didn't get too deep into how Iridian brains work, although they are solid state crystals. Um, they're really good at math. Like yeah. they can just do like, they're in their head, they can do math as well as you can with like a, t- a calculator. And so they never needed to invent adding machines. Mm. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. this was a problem they didn't need to solve. Mm-hmm. So they never kind of went down that, you know, a fun, fun side note, like just the random ass way technology works. Um, so you go back to the ancient world, you go back to like, hey, I, I, you know, kind of Roman Empire, maybe after Roman Empire, but like, you know, a few hundreds AD or CE, if you prefer. Um, uh, And you look at what's kind of going on technologically, and you'll see two things. In the East, in, you know, China, they have incredibly detailed ability to do porcelain work, like that fine China, as it's called, Mm -hmm. like, just like far and away better than anything anyone in the West can do right? They just kick so much ass at porcelain that they can do whatever you want. They can make porcelain really, like literally they could make porcelain containers that have regions of them that are like a few microns thick. They're that good at it, Mm. right? And meanwhile, in the West, they were shit at that, but they did a bunch of interesting stuff with glass. And the reason is because in, in the East, okay, porcelain is what they use to contain things and stuff like that. And they got really good at it. In the West, they were into wine, the ancient Romans, they needed to make wine. And then later on, they'd make wine, they had to be able to see the wine. 
as it was fermenting in the bottles. They needed to be able to look into the bottles. So they said like, we can't just put these in ceramic bottles. Um, let's use glass. And the, and the Asians knew about glass. They're like, yeah, you heat up sand, you get this clear material that who gives a shit? Porcelain's yeah. so much better, right? Yeah. But the, uh, the, the Romans or the later Roman, the descendants of the Romans are like, I need to be able to see what's going on inside the wine bottle. So let's work out how to do all this stuff, but with glass. Okay, so now we have glass. And then people are like, hey, have you noticed that glass kind of does funny stuff to light? And that's when they start, that's when they invented glasses, mm -hmm. like spectacles. Mm -hmm. And that caused Westerners to have their most intelligent people more functional in society for a decade or two longer than the East did. Because once you lose your ability to yeah. read and write, because your eyes get too crappy, if you're not wealthy enough to afford like, you know, someone to do it for you, mm -hmm. you just kind of stop being that useful to society. So just the fact that like, randomly, the West went toward glass while the East went toward porcelain, ended up with a bunch of huge scientific advancements for the West because it gave a, you know, a plus five to all the wise, <laughs> wise people in the West. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. I never heard that before. That's super interesting. But, but that's a good point that even here amongst our different civilizations on Earth, technology progressed in, in different directions. And, and like, if you're going to have an alien species, that's a completely different atmosphere and different physiology and they evolved physically in a different way. Of course, their technology would evolve in a different way than, than ours did. Sure. It's, it's whatever's important to them. And one thing that pisses me off, <laughs> I'm going to say this on your show because your show has a lot of people who watch it. So I hope enough people see this that they stop sending these fucking emails. Um, <laughs> they say like, Hey, Rocky species didn't evolve sight. So how did they know their sun was getting dimmer? I'm like, they invented science. They understand what light is. They know how to make machines that can translate light into a sensory input they can have. And then like, I sometimes end up with these email threads back and forth with people. It's like, yeah, but like, how would they even know there were stars out there because they couldn't see them? I'm like, it's like, and I just say like in the book, earth scientists discovered the Petrova line like very quickly. The Petrova line's infrared light. Humans can't see infrared light. That doesn't bother you at yeah. all. Yeah. That they, yeah. <laughs> you know. We invented a lot of things to see things that we can't see. Right, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, we know all about electrons. Have you ever seen one? <laughs> so that one well, always kind of- actually. <laughs> yeah. So that one always kind of makes me mad. I'm like, how can you, I'm like, this is a spacefaring civilization. Do you think they wouldn't have worked out the idea of- Oh, hey, there's electromagnetic radiation, and we can use that to uh, to gather information. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I would assume that any any sci-fi author would have the well, actually, people coming after them in, in in a various different ways. I kind of wonder though if if you get more than most because you are so detailed and scientifically accurate on a lot of the things that you do like you, you don't you, you don't rely on space magic too much it's it's very much rooted in science so of course there's people picking it apart left and right oh absolutely and i don't mind that at all because i bring that on myself by saying <laughs> hey everybody i made scientifically accurate stuff and they're like uh, really yeah yeah here we go <laughs> let's see what we can get and i don't mind it at all i actually kind of like it when somebody points out errors and i'm like oh you got me there that's a good mm -hmm. one yeah yep um, it, it does it does foster some interesting conversations. I mean, I get that a lot on on my channel too. And a lot of times people point out things that 
well, I get things wrong in my videos constantly, but uh, as you've pointed out too. <laughs> I, I, I can't help it. I'm one of those people, but I have oh, a direct good. line to you. I don't have to just say it in the comments. I can email you. That's right. <laughs> I text your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Even I, as I, I was I texting it, I'm like, I'm one of these assholes, <laughs> but I'm still going to hit send. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, the, the the specific one the reason one was that nebula video i think i i did it was yeah, just I, a it I, was, it was just, simple math that i did wrong well yeah it was just like uh you said like oh 25 percent of something so yeah. versus 100 every yeah whatever it was like really really irrelevant to the content of the video exactly and that's what i always get busted on is when i'm just like for, for the, the point that i was making there sorry i'm going on a tangent now but the point that i was making there was simply that if you're going to uh if you're going to lose 30% of your cells in this process, then you got to make more to, right. to do that. And it just makes it more difficult. Like, so the number didn't really matter that much, but the of point course, is you need I used more. a number. Yeah. And uh, your number course. was wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so actually when people tell me about genuine errors, I'm like, cool. I like it. I yeah. love it. I, in fact, I love it that my readers are so engaged that they're like, yeah. I care enough right. to double check this or wait a minute. But what bothers me is when people are like, Andy Weir was wrong about this because blah, and they're wrong. Like, oh. <laughs> that's what drives me crazy. Like, when I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. And you're, and if and you're they a email, jerk face and you're a jerk face, you make stupid baby. No, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> and now, like, uh, and it bugs me. It's sometimes they email me and they say, like, hey, you got this thing wrong. And I'll email it back and say, like, hey, no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. and and off, that'll be a fun conversation but what really drives me crazy is when it's just on a forum somewhere like mm -hmm. oh yeah i like project hail mary except for you got this thing wrong blah 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 i'm like i didn't get it wrong that guy's wrong but i can't respond yeah i can't be that guy uh -huh. i can't be like yeah i am the writer and i came into this you know mm -hmm. you know whatever the iowa cat appreciation forum where somebody <laughs> had a random thread about project hail mary <laughs> not that i google myself obsessively or anything no, not that you do that wrong millie from piedmont <laughs> who has that. two who has two siamese and a persian you're getting really specific here. I think uh, maybe that's a real thing that happened. <laughs> no, but it's like that level of pettiness yeah, where I'm yeah, like, yeah. me being that level of petty, where I'm like, yeah. and like, sometimes I've even thought about like, I could make a sock puppet account. I could go in and I could be like, hi, I'm somebody else who's uh -huh. not Andy Weir. My name but is- Andy Weir is really cool though. I, my name is- my my name is Randy Shear, and I'm. Uh, I think you got a mistake in your analysis there. Oh, I've been tempted to do that too. Oh man, it's so tempting. Yeah. But you just look. You would just look so damn unprofessional. Mm -hmm. You have to be above it. Yeah, you have to pretend like you're. I don't know what why why authors pretend like they don't read this shit. We all do. Yeah. Ever, all creators yeah. I, you know we all read all this i google project i google project hail mary sort by you know this week you know every week just see what people are saying sure you know what i have um i have a google alert where like once a week i get an email with all the times that the name joe scott was referenced somewhere 
I don't remember why I originally did it. I just set it up and now I get it and I just look at it. It's never once ever mentioned me. It's always some other guy named Joe Scott. There's a basketball coach out there that makes a lot of headlines. Apparently there's a lot of obituaries that come through. That's not creepy. (laughs) That doesn't give me existential dread or anything. I don't Um, even bother searching for Andy Weir. I always search for like the, the title because there's there's nothing out there you know in quotes nothing out there project hail mary it's only that right yeah yeah um but uh yeah when it, when i would search for andy Weir, there's there's a scottish uh soccer player and there's um the there's also like the um manager of some mate like a like he's a big wig at some major bank and oh. so he makes financial news like mm-hmm. frequently and then there's a guy who's like a, a, um, a bourbon connoisseur. Like he, he writes articles about, he's basically like a, a taster okay. and, and he writes articles about, oh, this is bourbon. I was like, someday, you know, if I was you, Joe, if I was, if I, if I, if I was a YouTuber instead of just some, you know, weaselly little writer, I'd be like, I'm going to make a video where I get all the Andy Weirs together. I'm going to make, I'm just going to get us all. To- <laughs> I was about to say it'd be it'd be really sad if like there was some there was some other Andy Weir or some other Joe Scott that's just like living a much better life. Yeah. You know, like I wanna be that Joe Scott. <laughs> How did I become this Joe Scott? I'm sure there's I mean that I that banker dude seems to have it pretty good, right? I mean, <laughs> he's some rich guy, he runs a freaking bank, he's doing all right. I don't know. And the guy I, whose whole job is to drink bourbon. I was about to say I mean, that, that, that's one I would prefer to be. <laughs> that Andy Weir is doing good. Yeah. He's probably got cirrhosis, but it's okay. You know. It's all right, you know. Worth it. There was another guy who was an an Andy Weir, and the only reason I saw it is because people pointed me to his his Facebook page. It says like, you know, Andy Weir. It's like, no, I'm not that one. Oh. <laughs> Please stop sending me emails. Um, speaking of creators, did I see in the acknowledgements that Cody Don Reader helped you out? Yeah, Cody's Lab. Yeah, yeah I, I love his channel. And what, what like, did he help you out with? Uh, chemistry. Okay. Yeah, I needed to know how you get. Uh, what was it? I needed. Uh, what did I need? I needed a way to. Oh yeah, I needed to get nitrogen from ammonia. Hmm. So I'm like, I have ammonia. I want to make nitrogen but I'm limited by stuff that I have aboard a spaceship. And Cody immediately, he emailed back and said, do you have copper? I'm like, sure, there's probably tubing or something in there, yeah. it's copper. He's like, okay, here's the reaction. You know, you, you, have, you do this with ammonia and copper and the output will be a bunch of crap and, you know, liberated night N2. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, Cody. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Cody follows my channel. We've interacted before. I've never actually met him, though. Um, he seems like- Oh, a cool I've never guy. met him. But yeah, I've never met him. And I've never had a real-time conversation with him. It's always been emails or- oh, okay. So you just looked up his email from the website or from the YouTube channel and just hit him up? Uh, tell I tell think... the audience of this podcast exactly how to get in contact with Cody <laughs> Donner. I'm sure he'll I think it. I, I think, um, well, he did. Okay. Yeah. He did a thing on the Martian. Like he was, um, I forget what his first Martian related, um, thing was. It might've been like, can a potato survive in a vacuum and still uh-huh. germinate? Or uh-huh. it was something like that. I don't exactly remember, but he was, he did some experiment that was based on the Martian and he talked about it in the Martian, by Andy Weir. And then, so I sent him an email saying like, Hey, this is Andy Weir. Sure. I, I enjoyed yeah, that thing. Just like, let you know, and that, that got us talking. I got so you. I just sent it to his public, whatever his, here's the account that you send fan mail to, you mm-hmm. know, 
now he's off, you know, camping out in Utah. Or is that where that land is? Chicken Hole uh, Base? I don't know if you follow the the Chicken Hole Base. If... I have not followed that, honestly. Oh, okay, yeah. So lately, what he's been up to is like making a, a you know, his own simulated Mars habitat. Uh-huh. Like he bought some land out in the middle of nowhere, I think, I think in Utah. And he's just always setting up things like making a greenhouse, see if he can make that work and, and you know, yeah. and so on. And yeah, keeping he's everything a cool sealed. Guy. He, he seems Much smarter right. than me. So, so like, don't, don't ever ask me how to do any kind of chemical conversion. I, I can, you can throw jokes off of me maybe. But, uh, <laughs> that's about it. And I'd like to thank Joe Scott because, um, well, I needed to know how to turn a chair 180 degrees. Um, <laughs> I just wasn't sure how to do that. I mean, if you do it to the beat of some drums, I guess that makes it work a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's my one true talent is turning around in my chair. Oh man, I had such plans too for that first time you came to my place. Um, so, <laughs> um, so uh, I have a shelf almost exactly like the one you have. Uh-huh. Well, like it's, it's like an Ikea. Yeah. yeah, mine's black, but whatever. And so what I was going to do was put a little temporary desk in front of it and put tchotchkes up. So it looks like like similar to your mm-hmm. shelf with like stuff up there. I even have a vintage typewriter. My wife does. I put that up there. I'd make it look like yours. And then I wanted it like when you come by to visit, I'd have like my wife would quote unquote answer the door. Oh, Andy, he's in his office. And then, you know, <laughs> like, you know, up against those shelves, I'd be like, oh, hey, Joe, what's up? <laughs> and then you'd, you'd be all like a little creeped out. And I'm like, come on, let's talk and I'd about run it. out the front door. And- no, no, I, I had in mind you'd be like, oh, okay, that's a little weird. And then we'd walk by. And as you see, like just as we're walking down the hall, just completely in the background, there's like pictures of you. pictures of you some of them of you just like taking out your trash (laughs) you were gonna hire a private investigator to take secret shots of me no 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 i wasn't to prank you i was gonna have you cooperate with me on it (laughs) and then Uh, we passed by like a little a little wooden altar thing set up that has like a, a toothbrush and stuff like that. It's clearly <laughs> like, and I'm like, no, Joe, come, come, come further into the house. Come I want to show you, I want to show you the soundproof room I have back here. <laughs> Step down these stairs. <laughs> yeah, just go down these stairs. It is strange. Lord, I'm glad you didn't do that. It, w- it would have been fun, but I mean, it would have <laughs> 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 maybe taken away a little bit from what you were going for. <laughs> The whole turning around in the chair thing, I think so little about it that whenever somebody references it, it kind of goes, goes past me. Yeah. Cause, cause I just, it's just a, a thing that I do at the beginning. I don't remember why I first started doing it and uh, it, I, I could probably stop doing it, but everybody would flip out. If I oh didn't. no, you cannot. I know. Oh no. That's out of the question. <laughs> but I think, I think that's like, I don't know. That's like the hello. That's me saying hello to everybody whenever I start a video. And so I guess when people meet me in person, they, want something similar to that or something i don't know (laughs) and i just don't think about it at all it's it's just a funny thing uh well so i was going to bring up something so way back when uh like i said i read yeah um i read your book four three four months ago whenever it was and i know that there was a a deal for a film i'm assuming that's going forward probably very slowly because they all do yeah they all do uh things are going well i think I okay well so here was my here was this is what the question i was going to ask you was when do you think 
because you do you do you do books and stuff. When do you think that sometimes <laughs> oh I got to time you're, my brain? You're, um, you're you're clapping back at me. I what did I do? As a, as a, as a literal clap back. Um, now I'm all, I don't know what to do with my hands now. Uh, okay, you write books that take place in space, and movies get made of this where it's taking place in space. What I was wondering was at what point is space travel going to become cheap enough to where we'll literally just launch movie sets into space and shoot movies in space. But well, right now, as speaking, we're talking, last week, yeah. yes, there's a Russian film crew on the ISS right now. Yes, that's pretty cool. How crazy is that? It's crazy. It's like 7.3 crazy. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's kind of a stunt, right? Um, but, you know, there's, there's also Tom Cruise talking about doing a SpaceX flight for a movie. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he did like in The Mummy, uh, in the scene of The Mummy where they're in the crashing plane and they have to put on like, um, um, what do you call it? Parachutes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was all filmed on a vomit comet. Yeah. Like he was in zero G. Tom Cruise loves to do these crazy ass stunts. Oh, yeah. So power yeah. to him. He's like, you want to send me in space? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be 80 years old, still like hanging off the bottom of a helicopter and stuff. Well, whatever. I mean, like William Shatner is 90 years old. He's going into space soon. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Actually, like just before we got on here, there was some like pre-flight stuff that was coming up in my YouTube feed. So yeah, that's tomorrow morning. Shatner's going to, of course, by the time people hear this, it will uh, have been. Um, talk about filming stuff in space. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the um, uh, film, I think uh, they're planning on doing everything nice and traditional. Uh, <laughs> We have uh, just the uh, what the current status as of when we're recording this is we have Ryan Gosling attached to play the lead. Right. Um, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are going to direct it. And we have Drew Goddard working on the screenplay adaptation. He did the screenplay adaptation of The Martian. So yeah. he did a great job there. And so we're, we're thrilled to have him working on that. Uh, and we have all kinds of design concepts and stuff whipping around for what Rocky's going to look like. Oh, that's got to be so fun, though. It is, well, and it is. It? It's oh, also oh, stressful. Okay, let's, let's, hear it. let's, let's hear the stress part. Well, no, the stressful part is like, we have to get this right. Like, the people who read the book, they don't give a shit about anything else. They're going to go to the theater to see Rocky. Like you said, like, everybody's going gaga over Yeah, over they just absolutely yeah. love Rocky. We have to get Rocky perfectly right and obviously he's like cgi mostly mm -hmm. i mean or he's he's a creature creation right so there's going to be cgi and they're also thinking there's going to be like practical um uh, puppetry or or animat or animatronics um to make for better you know yeah yeah integration in the scene and stuff like that and they really want to make it yeah they really don't want it to look like oh and here's a cgi thing you know they want mm -hmm. it to be good one thing it's oh, uh, also Lord and Miller are working on Artemis. I was going to ask. I thought that they were. Yeah. yeah. And one thing there that's really important to them, which I think is really neat, is they they're not going to quietly approximate lunar gravity to be one G. Yeah. They want the whole movie to be one six G. So everything you see, they're going to work to make it look like you know one six G going on, including people's hair, like. That's challenging. They're not screwing around. Yeah, no, they, they have ideas for how to do, okay, this, that, and the other thing. You know, we got wire work for the people in the front. Sure. Background, we can get away with a little bit of slow motion, like the moon landing deniers thing, and so on. But <laughs> uh, Interesting that, that the same guys are working on both of your films. Was that 
just a coincidence? Or? The, the, main, the main point of contact for me that I always see is Aditya Sood. He's a producer. Um, he was oh, okay. a producer on The Martian. And then he left um, Simon Kinberg Productions to go work for Lord and Miller. So now I find myself working with Lord and Miller a lot. So really, it's all about uh, Aditya. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You work with the people you know. I know him. I trust him. He's a good guy. I mm -hmm. like him personally. Um, I have pissed him off on occasion. And he still likes me. So there's some, you know, resilience to it. <laughs> that, that, that's how you know it works if you can if you can have a, a blowout fight and still you know work together still and still no and still be and, and make up and still be buddies and yeah. afterward and stuff yeah that's cool yeah. Well, um, I should probably start trying to bring this to a close. I wanted to keep it about an hour, but um, how's how's well the with all the stuff life? we're going to have to cut out? You've only got oh, like no. eight minutes right now. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Uh, how's how's daddy life going? Daddy life is uh, a lot of work. It <laughs> sure. is uh, it is a lot of work. Um, when you are almost fifty years old and you have a baby, it's a lot harder than say being <laughs> twenty five or something. Yeah. yeah, my little guy was uh, born uh, in this summer, and he's uh, he's my his name is Flynn. He's mm -hmm. my little swashbuckler, and everything's going great. He's just he's a baby, and and the creature just keeps getting bigger, <laughs> and so <laughs> and it's an enormous amount of work. He's you know he's he's not even six months yeah. old yet, and so it's just nonstop work. In fact, I can I can hear him crying slightly in the background right now. My wife uh -oh. is wrangling him. Well, that was another reason why I read the, about the time I read the book and I was going to try to set this up like right then is when he was born. I was like, yeah, you're going to need some time on your own for a while. I did need some time. And actually, I've been turning down everything, like oh. all interviews, all events. So this is like literally with like one exception, this doing this with you is like the first. Oh, yeah. So this is actually doing this uh, talk with you is only the second like thing that i've done since the baby was born just because i like you but the baby was born like right after the book came out yeah so you really haven't had a chance to do much promotion well for it at the all. book came out in may 4th okay. and the baby came out about a month later so oh, okay. i got all of the um, publicity stuff done and then once the baby was born i, just, I canceled everything yeah. else or whatever but there was one paid event it was, it was uh, virtual, but still a paid event. Uh, so that one I, I did. Sure. Um, but other than that, you're the you're the first Aww. voluntary, because 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 we like Joe. Because we're here. buds in this house. We like Joe. Andy, you're my Rocky. Aww. Or my you're Rocky. Which way would it go? I don't know. Fist my bump. <laughs> Everybody likes you, so. <laughs> you're, you're Rocky. Uh, we think, I think, like think. to I like to watch you crap. Yeah, that's. It's it's that's, weird. That's how you know we're. I'm buds. just gonna be honest. It's weird, um, but you know I'm the one <laughs> who set up the webcam in the bathroom for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you did send the instructions and you helped me focus in. Um, so you, I mean, man. I guess I could just unplug that if I had a problem with it. Uh, please don't. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I, yeah, I, I need yeah. I need my daily constitutional. <laughs> Your daily constitutional. <laughs> Or your daily constitutional. My daily constitutional. Well, uh, well. I'll let yeah, you know, get back you know, to you, baby. You know what's funny is my life revolves around poo. 
now you <laughs> oh, know, because sure. of the baby yeah. it's like oh, did he poo today did he poo well, how long has it been since he pooed oh my it's been it's been you know 41 hours and, and 13 minutes since the last poo maybe it's time for prune juice or should we escalate straight oh. to gripe water <laughs> <laughs> it's all about so, the poo i i've not had the child but you know puppy s- sort of similar in the sense that you can't take your eyes off of her for a while because without- she'll eat something fatal or crap on things or crap on things yeah she's, well, she's, she's not really a puppy right how old is she um she was born right around christmas actually so less than oh. a year well she's a 10 month she's a dog that's <laughs> she's, a, she's dog becoming a dog um she she did she hasn't had any real accidents lately knock on wood yeah, but, yeah, yeah. she's a dog and uh i could tell just from the 10 seconds i saw her that she's a she's a she's a good girl she's a good she's a good girl she's a very she's, good girl She's our cuddler, which I like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a human cuddler. Oh, man, it's great. He just <laughs> smiles at me. Whenever he sees me, he just smiles. Oh. He, like, I walk into the room. He's like, oh. I know you. I know guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite hey, guy. You're my favorite guy. But he doesn't have object permanence yet. So when I hold him and he's facing away, he's like, <sighs> then I'm like, yeah. still me up here. He's like, oh, hey. <laughs> so he's very literally out of sight, out of mind. Literally, yeah. He doesn't really? understand it. Babies at this age don't yet understand that like things exist outside their field of view. Mm-hmm. Well, that's got to that's got to be uh, that's, a great feeling. Yeah, that is a weird Joe. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, like I mean, holding this baby, your baby, your heart swelling, and everything. Oh, and... it is awesome. It is yeah. great. And I've also, I'm, I've never been conflicted on this. I've wanted a baby since I was in my twenties. I've always oh, wanted okay. to be a dad. Yeah. Oh, it took awesome. me, took me a while to find Ms. Wright and, uh, and, and kind of get that going. But, um, uh, Ms. Wright is already right now asking if we're about done. <laughs> well, I should let you get back to Ms. Wright so you can, <laughs> so I can spell her on the baby. Yeah. That's so right. can, yeah. Uh, well, Andy, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. And um, Lots I, of fun, I hope as always, we, man. Can, we can have a drink again sometime. Yeah, someday uh, after the apocalypse, either I'll be in Texas or you'll be in California and we can hang out. Apparently, there's a lot of swapping between these two states these days. But Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll just move out there. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you move out there uh, to California? Be close to Joe. Yeah. No, but really. No, really. No, really. Okay. Um, I, I can be almost as close to Joe as I want. I actually do this thing. I have to be 500 feet from Joe <laughs> or any of his property, but <laughs> after the dungeon incident. Yeah. After the, after the, after that, but, um, I can be, you know, I bought a house that's like 508 feet from Joe's property. <laughs> and so we're good. <laughs> this is always fun. And I have a seven foot telescope. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You end podcasts as well as I do. Yay! Sounds like. <laughs> okay. All right. All right well, thanks, man. Andy. Always That's a pleasure. The so that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Big thanks to Andy for taking the time again to talk with me. Uh, Andy's a great guy and being able to call him a friend is easily the coolest thing that's come out of my time being a YouTuber. So show him some love. Check out his books if you haven't and hopefully we'll get some more movies out of his uh, books to 
So like I said at the beginning, this is the uh, first episode in this series. We're going to be trying to release new conversations at a cadence of around two a month starting out. Uh, and these are going to just be audio only for now. We'll be releasing, you know, video clips to various places. But this is going to be an audio podcast. So if you want to catch future episodes, be sure to subscribe via whatever podcasting service you prefer. Um, so the next one should be coming out in a couple of weeks or so. And it's a big one. I, I don't want to spoil it, but it was somebody I was really excited to talk to. Kind of a big deal for the channel. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting this crazy thing I do. And uh, I don't know, insert inspiring statement here. Uh, what can I say? This is a work in progress. See you next time.